Messy actions. How does that make you feel when you hear that? Messy actions. Do you think it sounds and feels maybe a little bit like direction, not perfection? I bring you two guests today who believe strongly in taking messy actions, just doing the next right thing, the next right step, moving forward in some way. If you need a little nudge to start taking some action steps, even if they are imperfect, stay tuned. Thank you so much for joining me. I am your host, Lindsay House, registered dietitian, private trainer, accountability coach, author. I have been working with clients for over 13 years, passionately changing the culture of health and fitness. I'm out here smashing scales, helping individuals rewrite the rules to what success looks like in their life. I want to change generational thinking. No more all or nothing mentality. Get rid of the diets and believe in the individualized journey. We are stronger than we will ever accept and beautifully made just the way we are. Keep your eyes on your own paper and trust your own path. Thank you for trusting me and letting me be a constant encouragement through your week. Let's get this motivation started. Welcome to your podcast, Direction Not Perfection. I am so excited to introduce our community today to Zach and Jeremy, hosts and producers of the Fit Mess Podcast. Welcome. Thank you so much. We're excited to be here. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yes, I'm going to dive right into this question because I'm totally curious. Why fit mess? Is this going to open up your whole story? Uh, it might, actually. Uh, we were trying to come up with a name for the podcast. We were trying to convey the general feeling of we want to be healthy mentally and physically, but it's really hard to do that in all the the things that the world has to throw at you. And as we were struggling back and forth for what must have been weeks, my wife at the time walked by and just sideways threw out, why don't you just call it the fit mess? And we looked at each other and went, huh, that actually <laughs> is perfect. So credit where credit to do, she came up with the name for us. I love it. I do need the whole background story because I feel like you both have a big one and a big why of being in this space and sharing your story. So Jeremy, take the floor for a minute. Yeah, I, th- I think we're both kind of unlo- unlikely heroes in this journey. Uh, you know, Zach came from a really traumatic childhood and, and a rough upbringing. I came from sort of, you know, middle class alcoholism, 80s background uh, with, with my family of origin and all of that. And that just kind of set us up for a, a rough first half of life where we leaned into, you know, some bad decisions and poor health choices not really uh, shown a path to healthy, you know, productive, contributing members to society kind of life. And so, you know, I'll, I'll let Zach share his part. But for me, I dropped out of high school when I was 15 years old and just sort of kept swinging from vine to vine through most of my life. And my weight got out of hand. I was about 70 pounds heavier than I am now. I still don't believe that I was ever an alcoholic, but I definitely in giving up alcohol realized pretty quickly how much I was depending on it to manage my emotions and my feelings, things like that. And uh, for me, everything sort of turned around when I had kind of the dumbest knee injury you've ever heard of. I, I got out of bed and literally like rolled my knee and couldn't stand up. And it was the dumbest thing, right? And so a lot of doctor visits and CT scans and, and a physical therapy appointment later. And my physical therapist actually said, you know, based on what happened to your knee here and what's happened to your family with their knees, you're probably going to end up replacing them if you don't get on a bike. And so I thought that was insane. There's no way I was going to do that. I'm, you know, 30 something years old who rides a bike around. So I did what I did at the time and went complaining to my brother. And I was like, ah, this crazy doctor thinks I need to ride a bike. How do I do that? 
And for whatever reason, the way he said this at the time that he said it just completely stuck in my head. He said, dude, you just need to decide you're the weird guy that rides his bike to work every day and go ride a bike. And I, I don't know why, but immediately I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm weird for lots of reasons. Why not that one too? Let's go buy a bike. And so I literally, I bought a bike on Craigslist for like 200 bucks and I started riding the nine miles to work, you know, within a week or so. It was there that I really discovered that, you know, the power of being present, the power of just being in this moment and not worrying about the future and the past, like having to worry about, is that a pothole? Is that car going to hit me? Is that door going to open? Like just literally facing the demons that are right in front of you and not being stuck in the past, not worrying, you know, too far into the future, like the next block. Okay, cool. But I just, I fell in love with that and just wanting to be present in the moment. And so I actually went to my wife and I was like, how do I bring this more into my life? And she said, I'm not qualified to answer that. Ask a therapist. So I found a therapist who taught me all about meditation and Dharma and like, we're just really like finding more ways to let go of the things that were outside of my control, focusing on what's in my control, the things that are right in front of me. And that just blew open door after door after door of new things to try, different health hacks, eating differently, different workout routines, just different things that, uh, you know, cold water therapy, like all these crazy things that, you know, the, the version of me 10 years earlier than that would have thought that's for crazy people. I'm not doing any of that stuff. That's nuts. Um, and along the way I met Zach who happened to be a couple of steps ahead of me on this journey. I love that you're mentioning the steps in your journey, because this is what I want our listeners to hear. It's that faith in that the first step will ripple into the next step, Mm -hmm. but it's hard to see it in the beginning, especially when we have big goals, big wants. And so to watch you go from just bike, you know, that bike taught you so much and who would have ever thought jumping on a bike would have taught you those lessons, right? Or made you want to ask for the next step. Yeah. So there's just a lot of faith in the process, right? Yeah, that was definitely not me to to like be curious, right? And get like, wow, how do I do more of this? That that never occurred to me. It was always just like, this is hard. I don't want to do it. This is hard. I don't want to do it. I'm I'm not going to be perfect at that. So I'm going to give up. Like I, I'm not going to immediately get on a bike and be awesome, right? Like it was just like, I got to try this thing. Let's see. And that just set me up for a lifetime now, or at least a second half lifetime so far of just taking messy action, just move forward in some way and learn the lessons that that will teach me so that I can apply them to whatever door is open by taking this action. Gosh, I love messy actions, writing that down. Okay, mm-hmm. so Zach, I want to hear how you two met and then kind of your pre-story to meeting Jeremy. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll I'll give you a quick background on on me and then how I met Jeremy because it, it all leads in there. Um, I, you know, it was a dark, stormy Tuesday when I was born. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. It was a Tuesday, but it was not dark and stormy. The first 20 years of my life, they were set up to be pretty bad. I had uh, an absent mother, um, just all kinds of crazy things happened to me that like led me down this road of anxiety, depression, a lot of mental health challenges. Um, and by the time I was 20, 22 years old, I was like 300 pounds. I ate at McDonald's every single day because my best friend worked at a McDonald's. So I got free food and any college student knows free food is a good thing. Uh, smoked cigarettes, you know, did drugs all the time. Like just the image of unhealthy. It was not a good place. And somehow I managed to get my degree out of college. I don't know how I did it, but I, I managed to get a degree and I got my first job, but the way I got it was I went in and I didn't, I, I didn't want to smell like cigarette smoke. So I wore a nicotine patch the day of the interview and I got the job, which was great. And my first day at work, my boss looked at me 
And it's my first day in my corporate career. And he's like, I wouldn't have hired you if I had known you smoked. I was like, whoa. And that like, that was like a gut punch for me. I was like, wow, my career's at jeopardy because of these things. You know, not not to, you know, all the other health concerns, like none of that ever scared me. It was, oh no, my ability to make money. It's mm-hmm. it's it was a big problem. So I managed to quit smoking. And then they they were like, hey, we're gonna run a race too. We're gonna do a 5K in the summertime. And I wanted to be a social butterfly. So I signed up for it and then was like, oh my God, how do I do this? And I went to a local track. It was an indoor track and it was nine laps to a mile. It was a very short track. And I remember the first time I jumped on it, I ran around it once and like keeled over, couldn't breathe. I was just, it was terrible. And I kept at it, kept at it. And I ran the race. And then six months later for Christmas, my family got me one of those belts that you get that you can put gels and little water bottles into. I was like, why am I getting this? Who, why? Oh, right. Because I just ran a half marathon and like, I'm a runner now. And Mm -hmm. it was that, that was like my first step into, oh, I feel better. Oh, mentally I feel better. Oh, and I can do meditation. Oh, and I can do this and I can do that and do that. And it was, that was kind of my first step. And then, you know, of course, fast forward 20 years later, I'm 43. I am the healthiest, fittest, happiest I've ever been in my entire life um, at this point. And I'm so thankful for the life that I had because it wouldn't have, I wouldn't be who I am today. But Jeremy and I met about 11 years ago. Uh, We've got our first daughters are the exact same age. They're like, I don't know, a couple months off. But our wives met doing a fit mom program where they were going to do a, 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 I think it was a triathlon a couple of months after they had babies. So of course, you know, brunches got put together and Jeremy and I had to go to them and we sat down and sat across from each other and we're like, sup, sup, you know, just sizing each other up and, you know, asking about the latest Seahawks game or something like that, trying to be guys. Yeah. And it just built from there. And, you know, he liked Star Wars. I like Star Wars. We both like podcasts. He was doing a podcast and we just became friends from there. Uh, our daughters became friends. And then at some point we started getting real with each other and getting vulnerable and being like, hey, man, do you struggle with this? Because I'm struggling with this. I'm having a hard time in life. And we just started trading these things back and forth and back and forth. And it was so helpful for me to hear another guy going, hey, man, life is hard and I'm having a hard time here and I'm trying to get through it the best way I can. It was so useful for me. And then being vulnerable back was you know, useful for him, but it also allowed me to share the things that I was going through. So I had this epiphany one day. I was like, huh. Jeremy, you do podcasts. We should have these conversations that we're having because no other guys are having these. We should do this and do it on a podcast for everyone to hear. And he told me that I was crazy. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Terrify you? Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't so much that it terrified me as much as I just thought, you know, well, health and wellness, like that's scary territory. I'm, I'm no expert. I'm not someone that, you know, people should be listening to. Like, I, I don't have some degree on my wall that says, trust me, I know what I'm talking about. And so I, the idea intrigued me though. And so I started sort of researching the genre and I found more and more shows that were people sharing their experience and bringing in experts where there were knowledge gaps. And I thought, well, you know, I've, I've been working in news radio for 20 years of my life. I know how to conduct an interview. We can bring in the experts to fill in our knowledge gaps, but then just explain this thing we're talking about. We've tried it. It worked for us. We're going to try it. We'll report back how it works for us. And so that was really the genesis of it is we just thought, you know, these are things we're already interested in anyways. So 
you know, the, the sort of happy consequence of this is that it became a masterclass for us to get one-on-one time with, you know, world-class leaders in this stuff and just ask them, what should we be doing? And they would tell us, and then we would do them. And we would be like, wow, that worked. We should tell people about it. So that was kind of how it all came together. It was just like this natural curiosity of what other doors can we kick open and how can they improve our lives and how can we help others do the same? Well, okay. So the vulnerability piece, I definitely want to bring back up because I hear you in the male population. I think it's even that much more difficult, but I also feel like even in our female population, there's like a level of vulnerability that I think a lot of women are willing to expose. And then there's like that next level where like the true magic happens. And so I just want to highlight that because encouraging our listeners today to push past that next level because you two probably it took you a little bit to like get to the point where you're like okay I'm going to tell you this and then to realize wow this really helps to have a member a teammate in this journey and then the thought of being able to help and affect other people it's amazing when people can get to that level of like I just said it all and now it's out there and then you're like oh wow people are encouraging me they're supporting me they're not putting me down they're not it's like the opposite of what we think's going to happen when we're vulnerable yeah i was just going to say like it is amazing once i started voicing my vulnerability and this is the part that just surprised me the people I needed to help me through those situations showed up because I was just vocalizing it. Like the right therapist came along or the right personal trainer came along or the right somebody or the right information, the right knowledge. And, you know, God, universe, whatever you want to call it. Like it was just me voicing that vulnerability and the help that I needed showed up. And whether it's the universe or whether it's just simply somebody hearing what you're saying, if you never say anything, no one's ever going to show up to help you. And mm-hmm. none of this stuff you can do by yourself. Like there's a certain level that you can do, but we talk about it all the time. Like get a coach. Like you don't have to be the expert, find the expert and they'll help you through it. But the vulnerability piece, like, oh, I was just blown away. So now like I write my vulnerability down on paper and like universe, come help me. I need help today. <laughs> well, and to your point about the reaction that we expect too, like, I've been doing a lot of group work lately, and the 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 core of this work that I'm doing is being vulnerable. Like it is a space that is created to just you know practice taking messy action. And it's amazing how when people do kick that door open and they are just super like, this is it. this is the, this is my garbage. This is the stuff I'm carrying around. This is what keeps me in this little box and prevents me from being who I want to be in the world. When they show you who that is, there is this bond like with people that are essentially strangers to me that is formed almost immediately. We're like, wow, I like, I get you in ways that I didn't see before. Cause there was this wall, there was this mask, this, this persona you were playing. But now that I see you, I want to know more about that person. I'm very connected to that person. And I think we're so afraid that if we show our real selves and if we say the thing that's on our mind or the thing that's on our heart, that it's going to, that people are going to reject us and they're going to turn us, turn away from us and, and not be there for us. And my experience is completely the opposite that, you know, I'm not saying go up to random strangers at the playground and just, you know, pour your heart out, but in those spaces where it's appropriate, if you can open up with people, especially the people you want to be closer to you, I think you're going to find that, that, you know, it's, it's a magnetic reaction that people are drawn to that and they want to know more about who you are and they want to help. That's the thing. In most cases, when someone opens up and says, I'm struggling, I need help. People are, are, hungry to to step in and do that for you. So 
yeah, I, I can't encourage it enough. Yes, I think that we are definitely hearing more and more like people want authenticity, right? Like when we are socializing the small talk, we want somebody to have a real conversation with, not the small talk. So I agree. You're opening that door. And to your point, don't be that guy, you know, who's just like <laughs> word vomiting on people. But right. if you're in the right conversation and you can read people, the vulnerability is mm. good. I am curious what do you both offer at this moment? Like, obviously the podcast, is there more? Is there a course? Is there, what's what's outside of just your podcast? We keep threatening to build the outside of the podcast, but I mean, we we love the podcast and that is central to what we've been doing for the longest time. So, I mean, you know, we're, we're working on some different eBooks and we have ideas for courses and, and things like that. But I mean, for the most part, we, we built this thing because, I mean, selfishly, it helps us, right? It's an accountability tool. Like if, if we weren't doing the things we're talking about, then we're frauds and we're, you know, and nobody's going to show up for that. Um, but ultimately, when I think of this show and I think of the people that we're talking to, I'm talking to me 10 years ago. The person who listens to podcasts wants, you know, he's kind of sick of his own crap, wants to get out of his way, doesn't know where to start, doesn't know which small steps to take. And so we just try to build a community and just try and help people understand you're not alone. Like pretty much everyone in your situation feels exactly like you do. There are millions of things you can do to feel better and to live better and to be happier and healthier and all of these things. If you take them all on, probably too much, probably going to, probably going to give up and, and quit because it becomes really difficult to do it in that way. But if we can just give a different idea every week or every few days that says, Hey, have you tried this? Have you considered this? This might be the thing that opens five more doors for you. Uh, that's really what this is about for us is just trying to, trying to remove that loneliness and that journey for particularly guys like us. But what's funny is, you know, every time we think we're talking to us 10 years ago, we hear from the wives and the girlfriends of the of the people we're trying to talk to. And they say, man, I wish my husband would listen to this. Oh, I wish my boyfriend would listen to this. So uh, mm-hmm. so it is interesting Great. who shows up to, to these conversations. All ears. I want to throw this out because these are both of your words. And I want to kind of dive into this. You speak a lot on creating your own motivation uh, instead of waiting for it to show up. And I was curious if you can kind of dive into... So our, our listeners can get a visual of what does waiting for your motivation to show up versus you creating it, kind of giving two different scenarios there. Yeah. So we, we are big believers in, you know, motivation. People say all the time, right? I'm just waiting for the motivation and I'm going to do X or I'm going to do Y. We've come to find motivation never really comes. Like if you're waiting for it, you're going to be waiting forever. Uh, what you really need to do is just make a decision that you are the person who does X and start doing it. Um, we talk a lot about, you know, New Year's resolutions, waiting till Monday to start the new diet program or waiting until the first of the month to do something, expecting that motivation to be there. You need to really take a look at yourself and say, okay, why do I want to do this? Is this something that's really good for me? Is this something that's going to make me live longer, be healthier? And just really know deep down inside that you want to do this thing and just do it like to steal Nike's phrase, just start doing it. Like there's no, don't wait till Monday. Don't wait till the first of the year. If you wait for that motivation, there's, there's a couple of memes on the internet where it's like, Hey, I'm waiting for motivation. And then the next picture is the person at the end of their life. I'm still waiting for motivation. (laughs) And that's kind of what, how we look at it. You just have to decide this is what I want to do. This is why it's important and start doing it. And you know what? It's going to be messy. You're going to struggle. It's not going to be fun in the beginning. It's probably going to hurt. You're going to fall down. 
like there's so many negative things that are going to happen from this decision that you're going to want to give up on. But when you're in those moments, you really need to turn it around and say, these are the moments when I'm learning. These are the moments when I'm growing. And these are the moments that are going to shape me for my future. And if you're never in those situations, if you're never struggling or having a hard time or feeling like a failure, like, you know, we do a lot, you're never going to grow anywhere. If you're always confident and if everything is always easy peasy for you, well, you probably have to look elsewhere. But again, that motivation just doesn't come. You just have to decide to go do it regardless of how you feel about it. I love this. And I think this is where like direction, not perfection and the messy actions that you two speak on are soulmates. You know, it's like I can witness clients doing the little by little by or the messy actions and I can see them thriving and and being successful, but they're not seeing the big end goal. And so they don't feel successful. And that's a typical fall off for a lot of people, as you both know. So I would love to hear like what you hear back from people and what, how do you speak over your community on hang in there and yes, action first and then feelings, right? Action first, then motivation. But how do you keep your people going? I think there's a couple of things that I would tell someone like that. And one is whatever your goal is, it's perhaps not big enough. Like you should probably pick a goal that you will almost never achieve in your lifetime. The stars would have to align in ways that has never happened for you to actually reach it so that you can let go of reaching it, but let it be the direction on the compass. Like that's, that's the person I want to be when I'm 80. I want to be this person when I'm nine, when I'm 112, I want to be this person. What, what decisions am I making now and how do they affect that person? Every decision you make today dictates who that person is tomorrow. So if you are constantly trying to lose 20 pounds because societally you think you're supposed to lose 20 pounds, like whatever the the pressure is making you make that decision, you are going to be miserable and punish yourself every day until you lose 20 pounds. But if you decide I want to be healthier and stronger in a year, And then backtrack. What does that take? Well, that takes maybe eating a little better today, maybe going to a gym, maybe going for a walk, maybe a bike ride to change your life. You never know. (laughs) Um, but, but focusing on what are the things that I can do today that I can check off a box that I did and celebrate those wins. Is it take a walk? Cool. Put it on your to-do list that I'm going to take a walk for 10 minutes today and then check it off and celebrate the hell out of that win because you did it. If you are focused on, boy, I better be ready March 31st next year. I better be ready for this thing. All year, you're going to sweat and every decision is going to be a punishment. I can't have that ice cream because I have to hit that goal. I can't do that. I can't go out to dinner because that's going to ruin. I better like if you constantly punish yourself, you're going to give up and you're never going to break the cycle of the bad habits and choices that you've made that put you in whatever jam you're now trying to dig yourself out of. So cool, have a goal, make it big, make it something you will probably never achieve. And then figure out what can I do today to get me closer to that? And then celebrate every one of those tiny little wins. I think that's, that would be the advice I would give that person. Well, so good. And I think that you're both constantly coming back to this point of like, you're changing your identity. When you're talking, like think forward and who do you want to be as a 60 year old, 80 year old, it's a different person, a different version of what you are. And I think that a lot of us go through our health journeys and we never truly change, change. Like we have to fully change. And actually, Zach, I had a question for you because 
it, it feels like you are in this spot that you wouldn't go back ever. You know, like you're very confident in this healthy spot that you're in. And I know it took a lot of years to get there. Do you have any underlying fears of what ifs or have you changed that much that you're like, I'm just a new person? I have no worries. I'm a completely new person. And I we talk about this a lot. Um, I am a different person today than I was yesterday because I have gotten comfortable with being wrong, gotten comfortable with whatever thing I've believed for 40 years, it could be wrong. Maybe it's some societal norm that's just not okay. And I've gotten okay with really, you know, everything that I approach, I'm like, huh, why am I doing this? Why do I believe this? Like I deep down at my core, I believe this to be true. But what if I'm wrong? What if I'm wrong? What could I do if that's wrong? Like, how could I change that? And I go out and really kind of look at things as unbiased as I can. And I celebrate when I'm wrong. And I'm like, hey, that thing I believed for years and years and years and years, that's not true. So I can make a change and I can go do this other thing. So every single day, I'm becoming a new person because I think of that ability to kind of take that deep look and reflection and go, my ego has no place here. I don't have to be right about this. I can change my opinion on something. It doesn't have to stay the same. Like it, you can change as a person and you can be a different person tomorrow than you were today. But you know, the, the journey of 20 years ago, totally different person, like thought process, things that roll through my head, um, uh, a glucose monitor just to like test out like what foods do to me and things like that. And like, I've always assumed I had no problem with bread. And now I just saw the spike that I hit with bread. And I'm like, huh, oh my gosh, that's wrong. Like, maybe I shouldn't be eating bread. So yeah, I am a totally different person. And I will be a totally different person a year from now. Totally different person 10 years from now. Because I'm I'm okay and I'm comfortable with being wrong. That's really interesting. I love this. What about the listener who's going, okay, I hear you. And I hear that you have struggled with depression or anxiety and I too am there. And when I'm not in my depressed state, I too flow with habits. But when I go down in my deep, dark hole of depression, it throws the whole game. Like, where have you come with that battle? This You're speaking my language. This is me. Mm. I This is something I've battled my entire life. And the unfortunate crappy answer is it's kind of like getting the flu, right? Like when you get the flu, nobody expects you to just show up and live life and do the things and just kill it, bro. Like it's not reasonable. It is something that is largely beyond your control. For me, when that comes, I have to just check out, right? Like I have to, I'm terrible. I mean, I, you could ask my wife, I'm terrible at communicating that I'm experiencing it because for the most part, I don't know that I am. It's just sort of this wave that comes over and I hear them saying, are you depressed? Are you depressed? And I'm like, no, I'm just, I'm tired. I'm in a bad, blah, blah, blah. And so I deny it and deny it. And then when I realize, oh no, I can't shake this. No matter how good things get, I can't shake this. And it becomes like, you've just got to find some interrupt. So it's either if you have to go lay down for the day, if you have to just check out, call in sick, you're, you're experiencing illness. You have to give your body a chance to rest and get better. You're, you're experiencing something that happened to you. The flu happens to you. So you have to give your body time to recover from that. Sometimes it's a matter of like, if I just put on a movie that just gets me out of my head and into another world for a couple of hours, that can be enough of a reset. I have found tremendous benefit from, so I'm very fortunate. I live next to a, a little mountain runoff Creek 
And for the most part, when those days come, if I go sit in that creek for five minutes, surviving, just getting through that five minutes is enough to reset my nervous system and kick me out of that mode. But I also recognize that there are a number of things that I know will work, but the voice of depression says, you don't deserve it. This is comfortable. You want to be in this darkness. This is the song you know, so this is the song we're going to play. And unfortunately, the bad news is the only way to overcome that voice is to fight back against it or or to somehow quiet it and do the action anyways. And I I know how simple that sounds. I know how oversimplistic that sounds and how much that doesn't help because I've been in that place and I've heard you have to just do it anyways. But I know that when I do, it works a hell of a lot better than when I just try to try to keep soldiering on and and live life like normal when I'm experiencing, you know, some of the darkest moments of my life. Right. You are stating this so wonderfully. I feel like like, I want to just summarize for a second, because first there's the interrupt. It's like acknowledging somebody, maybe outside sources in our life can acknowledge, Hey, something's a little off or different with you right now. You have multiple interruptions that you can pull from. Mm -hmm. And then the promise of knowing they'll work, but in the moment you always know they like your brain's going to tell you they won't work. So that battle alone is difficult. Mm -hmm. Do you have to rely a little bit on some other people to, to push you towards an interrupt? Like, or have you practiced? That's the other thing that I wanted to say. Like, I feel like this would come with practice, practice, practice. And then all of a sudden you do believe yourself a little more. Yeah. Or is it all of it? Like it's sort of all of it. It sort of depends on, on what the trigger is. It sort of depends on how dark the, the mode is. It's silly, but I've one of the most powerful things that has helped me in this journey was watching Frozen 2. I know that sounds ridiculous, but no, it the scene, I love it. If, if you want to know what depression feels like, the scene when Anna is in the cave after she believes that Elsa has died, mm-hmm. I'm like, it's hard for me to even think of it because it, it, it portrays depression so beautifully. And when she starts singing about just doing the next right thing, it literally is that it's, can I put a shoe on? Can I walk out the door? Can I just mm-hmm. go breathe fresh air for a minute? Like what, like whatever, like we talk about small steps for habit change, the microscopic, just take a shower, like something just like the tiniest, whatever the next right thing is to help push you forward. Focus only on that. For me, when it, when the Creek is a hundred yards away, it's put on your swimsuit. Maybe that's as far as you get today. Grab a towel. Maybe that's as far as you get today. Walk out the door. Maybe that's as far as you get today. But it just has to be the next right thing. Because if you start thinking about all of the steps that it takes to get up, get the remote, turn on the TV, find the movie that's going to be a distraction, you're already drowning. It's already too much. And that's like, for anyone that doesn't suffer from this, that sounds insane, right? Like I can't get up and get on, get a remote on and turn on Netflix and find something to watch. That sounds crazy. But when you physically, like the, the, the weight of moving your body to take action to fight against a depressive episode it's, it's, it just feels crippling. Like it just shuts you down in, in, in ways that you cannot explain to someone that doesn't experience it. So just finding what is that first tiny thing that moves you toward better and focus only on that. It is paralyzing. I think you're naming that so well. And that somebody who has not lived in it agreed would not get this, but like my clients and I, who do go walk through this 
we say like you've decision fatigued yourself out of making the next right step to your yeah. point of like, if you even have to just go put on a pair of shoes, the decision fatigue of thinking, should I, or shouldn't I mm-hmm. stagnates, right? Like yeah. it's, yeah. it becomes, you don't do it. Yeah. So thank you. Just, and just reiterate like the practicing of it. Cause you're a new person again, like now versus 10 years ago that now that you've done this so many times, you have a little more belief that it's going to mm-hmm. be effective, correct? Yeah. I mean, the old system was, I'm miserable, where's the beer? Right? And that mm-hmm. that's a hell of a band-aid to put on it. But as it turns out, that's just digging a deeper and deeper hole because then you make mistakes and you do stupid things and you feel bad and it triggers a, you know, now I'm depressed because of all the things I did when I made those stupid choices. Plus, it just physically is a depressant. Like, it's just physically working against any any action you're taking to get better. So that was the old way. Um, now, yeah, there's a body of evidence that I can point to that says there's 10 things, you know, that will make you feel better. Then it just becomes, then it's the decision fatigue is is today this, or is it that do I try this? Do I try that? And what small step can I take toward that? Is it getting the remote? Is it putting on the shoes? Is it going outside? Again, that decision process is paralyzing in itself, but yes, the more you practice it and the more prepared you are, right? Like like be aware that that is something that happens to you. So have things by your nightstand that are in the drawer that are going to be helpful. Maybe it's a tablet where you know you can grab a movie if you need to just be in there and watch that. Have a book that will help get you out of your own head. Just have, like be ready. Have just like any emergency kit. Have stuff in the places where you spend the most time that when those moments come up, you've got quick and easy access to something that might be the thing that helps you today. Yeah. And I'll, I'll just throw in one of my favorite yoga teachers would always, we'd, we'd do a really hard pose in yoga. And then later on in the class, we would do the same pose and she would always say, we've been here before. And that rolls through my head a lot when I'm in these situations, like you need to take account of the times that you've been in those dark places and the fact that you got out of it. And then you came around that Jeremy said a body of evidence, like build up those examples of the times you got out of it. And as you go forward and you get better at getting out of it, remember those and look back and say, okay, I'm in a dark place right now. I'm never going to get out. Where's the evidence that you're never going to get out? Take a look back, look at previous examples, know that there's hope. And, you know, obviously I've been in those dark places too. It is pretty hopeless, but if you can build up that body of evidence and know that you got out every time and you build better tools and you have your emergency kit, like Jeremy said, you will have hope to get out on the other side. And hopefully it'll start to happen faster and faster and faster as you go on. Oh, that's so good. Been here before. I'm taking that one with me. And success leaves clues is another phrase that I've heard that I I grip tightly to as well. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask this because you keep mentioning the creek. And I think that there's like a cold water or something going with this that my audience isn't as familiar with. So I think this would be a new disrupt or tool that somebody could use. Could you speak on that for a minute? I am obsessed with the cold. People always laugh at me because I wear shorts year round when it's snowing. I'm wearing shorts. The more that I can expose my body to cold, I just, that's where I live. That's I've always been like that since I was a kid, even before I knew cold therapy was a thing. And so I feel really validated as an adult that it's an actual thing. Um, but yeah, so I'm, I very intentionally, I live surrounded. My house is surrounded by mountains. Uh, there is a Creek about a hundred yards from my front door. There's a Lake. That's a five minute bike ride that way. And I'm very fortunate to have that. 
So when it's very cold, like for, for New Year's, we did the polar bear plunge. I spent 10 minutes in a 25 degree lake and it's just incredible how you feel that you just come out of it feeling amazing. But, but if you don't have access to those kinds of things, again, the emergency kit, you don't want to get in the car and drive to the lake and do all the things, just jump in a cold shower. The, the way that it, it helps your mind to stop the racing thoughts of I'm worthless. I suck. I hate myself. All, all the stuff that we tell ourselves, because all of a sudden you are into this, you're sort of kicked into fight or flight where you have to just survive. It gets you to focusing on just the next breath. And all of a sudden you're focusing on your breathing, which is slowing down your heart rate, which is getting your body calm. And there's something also, I love the natural element of it because there's an, uh, there's a grounding element when I'm, you know, my feet are on the Creek bed and the cold water is rushing by and there's trees and there's probably a couple of deer over there. Like for me, that, that is everything just like that connection to nature and realizing how small I am surrounded by natural elements, all of these things that play into it. But ultimately, just being in the cold, just surviving that couple of minutes, it just stops the the voice, the the triggers, the things that are happening, and just gets you to focus on it again right now. Focus on right now. How do I get out of this cold shower? How do I get out of this cold river? And it by by just flipping that switch, it helps you to to stop listening to those voices and giving them as much power because you've also now just done something really difficult and you feel sort of proud of yourself and your body starts to warm up and it's a very relaxing feeling. So there's just there are people that are far more articulate than I on this and we actually interviewed one of them on our show, uh Dr. Josephine uh, Worsek. She's incredibly knowledgeable of the science of it. But me just the layman, uh I just I just know that when I do it, no matter how bad things are, I feel better. And ultimately, that's all you need to know about it is that it sucks at first. You're going to get in. It's going to be cold. It's going to last five seconds. And you're going to go, I'm never doing that again. But then tomorrow, try 10 seconds. Then try 20 seconds and build up to, you only need like a couple of minutes. It's only got to be like 55 degrees. So it doesn't have to be ice cold. Uh, but you know, the more you build up, the more it becomes like an endurance challenge, I guess, to, to how, how long can I last doing this? And then that also becomes another win that you can add to your list of, of things that have gone right. And there, and there's even more to it. Like there's the mental benefit, but then, so I do it, but I go to like a cryo freeze chamber where, you know, Jeremy thinks I'm crazy, but the one that I go to it is three minutes at negative 230 something degrees. And it's, it starts off like, I'm okay. This is okay. And by the last minute, you're literally just going, I'm going to die in here. I'm going to die in here. <laughs> and the door opens. And on top of all those mental benefits that you just got through, like for me, it reduces inflammation in my body. So like I, you know, if I look at carbohydrates, my body gets inflamed. I become in pain. My joints hurt. Like a physical pain drives a lot of depression and anxiety. But if I go get in the cold, not only am I getting the mental benefit, but my body's just recovering a little bit better. So it, there's a lot of benefits to the cold. I hear you. I have to tell you this really fast just because it'll make you smile. But one of my good girlfriends does Cairo therapy a lot. And she had drifted down, I guess, a little bit. Anyways, passed out. And when you do that, the machine just opens. So she was naked and just fell on the floor. And like the next thing she knew, she was looking at the doctor and she was like in an open space where other people were naked. And oh. she was like, <laughs> oh, I man. can't believe this just happened to me. <laughs> but she swears by it too. Oh, good, good. So, I'm glad it wasn't, uh, I'm glad it didn't turn it off for her. So that's good. 
I have a swimming pool that I never shut outside and it's like 55 and I have literally considered just going and jumping in and I haven't pulled myself to do it. So maybe uh, you guys have double dog motivated dare, yeah. me today. <laughs> yeah. I'll send you a picture if I do it. <laughs> and, and don't wait to get motivated. Just go do it. Right. The actions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, as we wrap up here, I would love for both of you to kind of think through this for a minute. But if you were to wrap your arms around our listeners, and if you hoped and prayed that they heard one thing out of you today, what would that like send off message be? Mm. The thing that comes to me is just that you're not alone. Like whatever your struggle is, whether it's depression, anxiety, weight, you know, whatever, whatever motivation, whatever thing. We're all going through it on some level. I mean, you know, Zach's the happiest and healthiest he's ever been in his life, but we have conversations off the mic where, you know, times get tough. I Same for me. Like I, I am literally living the life of my dreams. I, I set out to live where I live, doing what I'm doing a year and a half ago, and I made it all happen. And there are still days when I wake up and, you know, it's not enough or I'm not enough and whatever. We all go, it's just, it's part of the human experience. So uh, know that you're not alone. Know there are resources. Know that people want to help. And they want you to open up and be vulnerable and share that pain so that they can help you rather than trying to see through the mask and guess what they can do to help you. That's so good. Thank you. That's awesome. Zach, that gave you time to think. <laughs> yeah. yeah it was, thank you, Jeremy, for going first. Doing my part. Just doing my part. <laughs> yeah. I. So this is something I actually have to tell myself a lot. And, and, um, and, I, and I actually have to tell my daughter this quite a bit. When I am down, when I'm struggling, when I'm feeling like I'm not enough, when I'm not, when I, I haven't reached my goals or anything like that, I have to pause and really just tell myself, hey, man, you're okay. Like, you're good. You are okay. And I would I would say that to anyone else. Like, re regardless of where you are, like, if you're still taking breath and you still have the opportunity to take an action to get better, to reach your goals, you're okay. And wherever you are, whatever you're feeling about yourself... Like you're enough. You are enough in this one moment. You can take the next step, but right now you're okay. And, and appreciate that support you and love you. And, and all of those things that you're okay right now. Telling you both of you could bring me to tears and are giving me chills multiple times throughout this interview. Thank you for pouring your love and your wisdom, your authenticity and your vulnerability over our community today. I really appreciate you. Well, now you're making me cry. So. <laughs> Please come back. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Yeah. Thank you so much. This has been great. Yeah. We really appreciate the opportunity. And uh, yeah, just it means a lot to be here and, and to be able to talk with you about these things. Thank you for joining me today. If this topic served any purpose for you, or you can picture that exact person who needed this, I'm always honored when you share the episode. We are making 2023 the year that we are going to pour motivation and inspiration onto others. I also always appreciate it when you leave a review on iTunes and rate the podcast. I send you off with all the praise and momentum you deserve for staying open-minded to new information, keeping an open mind to the idea that our journey will look different now, five years from now, slow and steady y'all it's not always instant gratification and not always that exciting but a much gentler and redeeming path that will serve you well throughout all the years and every season of life cheers to health and happiness